Welcome to EDSO Policy Podcast Series. Today is our fourth episode where we discuss DSOs and the regulation for alternative fuels infrastructure, also known as AFIR. AFIR is a part of the Fit for 55 package and a crucial instrument to decarbonize the transport sector. My name is Dragomir Deutsev and I'm a policy advisor at EDSO. Today, I'm joined here by Marie Picou, European Affairs Policy Manager at Enedis. Hello, Marie. How are you? Hello, Hago. I'm fine, and you? Yeah, I'm very good. Thank you for joining me today. So let's begin with the questions. Uh, one of the really important elements of AFIR is that it sets the stage for the uptake of an electric vehicle fleet. This fleet will be connected predominantly at distribution level, which makes DSLs central to the, uh, to the electrification of mobility. What challenges and opportunities do DSOs see in this process? What is your opinion, Marie? As you say, like the proposed regulation is really positive uh, because the charging infrastructure will mainly rely on the DSOs network. So it is a very challenging uh, regulation because the new ambition target will impact the structure of our grid at national level. So we as DSO, we will have to first anticipate an increased number of connection work due to the number of EV chargers that will be connected. And then we will have to anticipate that the power demand will also increase. We will have to adapt and to shape differently our network. And this is a very exciting challenge. There are also new challenges coming uh, because the regulation is not only about light duty vehicles, but also EV duty vehicles, ports and airports. These are new kinds of activities for DSOs and that will contribute to achieve the energy transition. So we will be, we'll be here and we will be ready to do so. All right, so there's quite a lot of interesting challenges ahead. Um, AFIR sets really clear rules about the improvement of grid connectivity, but it seems to speak less about improving grid capacity. Do you think that there should be more ambitious measures in the regulation to, in, to, to improve the grid's capacity to sustain the, elect, the electrification of transport? I think that the electricity infrastructure is well prepared. At least this is the case in France, we are ready to do so. But as I said, uh, European DSOs continuously to anticipate and have in mind that the growing uptake of electrification of transport will impact their networks. But indeed, investment will be needed to accompany the trend and to improve grid capacity. Plus, we should also keep in mind that AFIR only concerns recharging infrastructure on European corridors and public recharging infrastructure, but there are also other regulations that uh, that will have impact on a recharging infrastructure. This is the case for the EPBD uh, that have specific requirements for buildings, uh, but also the Renewable Energy Directive on non-publicly accessible recharging infrastructure. Member states' funding schemes must therefore be consistent and provide system operators with adequate resources. As an example, uh, in France, network tariffs uh, don't take into consideration the fact that we will have to connect uh, EV duty vehicles uh, chargers to the grid. This is quite new, so we hope that uh, it will be taken into consideration to have enough uh, financial uh, provisions. Okay, I see. And maybe next, a question about smart grids. Uh, there has been a point suggested by some stakeholders that uh, not all recharging stations need smart grids, that this would make them uh, more expensive and more costly. What is your view on the role of smart grids in recharging stations? Are they an essential component or something that could be disposed with? I will not surprise you, Jago. Uh, I totally disagree with uh, those stakeholders. 
uh, smart grids are key. If we want to smoothly integrate different sectors such as transport and energy, smartness is key. Uh, the proposed regulation promotes a smart charging for normal recharging points, those under 22 kV, and this is a very positive outcome, but we don't see any concrete implication. Smart charging means that EVs will be able to interact with the electricity grid. So they will be able to withdraw electricity from the grid at a specific time, or even to inject electricity to the grid at the more convenient period when the V2G technology is supported. So to do so, smart meters, when they are deployed by member states, are a very relevant tool as they provide user and charging port operators with secure and reliable data. So smart meters, facilitate smart charging and the participation of EV owners to the flexibility services. So they are key and they are needed in each charging point. All right, so there is quite an important role for smart meters then. Um, maybe next to pose a question about uh, bidirectional charging. There has been quite a lot of discussion about this with some DSOs uh, expressing concerns about the way bidirectional charging should be enabled. What how do you evaluate AFIR's approach to bidirectional charging and how could it be improved in your view? As I mentioned before, if we want bidirectional charging to be developed, smart meters are the first requirement to be fulfilled. As I say, like bidirectional charging means like the ability uh, for the EV charger to interact with the grid. So to do so safely, um, smart meters are key to accompany this interaction with the network and the EV charger and it can allow us to operate the grid safely. In addition, when it comes to the assessment of contribution of bidirectional charging to the integration of renewable energy sources, this is article 14 of the regulation, DSOs and TSO are the best place to do so, not in arrays as it is provided by the regulation. To carry out those assessments, the value of bidirectional charging should be appreciated the same way in each of the member states to avoid any disparity. So it might be very interesting to adopt a common European approach, allowing for interoperability and comparison of data when it comes to bidirectional charging. Okay, interesting that you should mention Article 14 of the regulation. In fact, my next question concerns energy system integration. Uh, electric mobility is really expected uh, to lead uh, to a rise in demand side uh, flexibility. And in the context of this, I wanted to ask you, what do you think is the role of DSOs in evaluating flexibility needs in the context of electrified transport? Yeah, as you say, flexibility is the way to integrate sector, sectors. And uh, the AFI proposal and their specific provision also for NRAs to assess all the operation of recharging point can further contribute to the flexibility of the energy system. NRAs will have to provide geographical and technological recommendations. With this provision, there are two issues. First, once again, the proposal contradicts network operators' role because they are the more relevant one to evaluate flexibility and their operational needs, not in arrays. Secondly, we should also have in mind that uh, Article 32 of the Electricity Market Design Directive states that when we evaluate flexibility needs, we should not favor a specific technology among others. So providing very specific recommendation on EVs um, for instance, for the type of supporting technology or geographical location, seriously contradicts some principle of the market design. I want also to conclude my mentioning that uh, system operators are already taking into consideration the potential contribution of EVs 
and their recharging points within their network development plans. Uh, EV chargers will be able to compete in flexibility markets the same way than any other technology. So that's why it's, in, it's important to, it, to be uh, technology neutral when it comes to flexibility. All right, I see. So there's quite a role for DSLs there. Thank you very much for this response. And maybe as a final question, what is your overall suggestion for grid capacity and optimization in the context of electric mobility? We've heard a lot of things about the reduced approach and so on. So my personal point of view is that we should first, as a DSO, adopt a customer-centric approach and to think about what does an EV owner need. We are public services providers, so we are the service of our customers and we the aim to facilitate their everyday life. So in that view, when we are requested to connect EV chargers, we will do it at this moment without thinking about where should we locate it. What we can do is to provide users with some recommendation, for instance, on the location where connection cost for, for the user will be lower because it will not require uh, credit reinforcement. Coming back to the regulation, I think the approach chosen by the EU Commission is to ensure a balance between two targets. The first one on the 60 uh, kilometer target on the TNT network uh, ensures EV users the possibility to recharge their vehicles specifically when they travel on the comprehensive network. So for instance, if you decide to travel from Portugal to Denmark, you will be able to find um, EV chargers for your EV vehicle uh, in the comprehensive network. The second target that is proposed by the European Commission is related to the power output available per EVs or hybrid vehicles. This target is more general and aims ensuring a recharging station deployment on public domain at national level. So this target ensures that there, there are enough EV chargers in a member states compared to the number of circulating electric vehicles or hybrid vehicles. With this target, the only imbalance we identify is that we will have a high number of EV chargers on public domain, uh, maybe the, the comprehensive network or at national level. It doesn't take into consideration the fact that private recharging infrastructure in collective housing is developed in parallel. So we propose to include a so-called, very complicated word, but a so-called publicly funded private recharging point uh, that are, for instance, collective housing recharging point uh, in the calculation of the fleet-based target. That will allow us to have a, a more balanced uh, localization of uh, EV chargers and avoiding public domain chargers to be underused because we will consider a more optimal location of recharging point. That's it for me, Drago. Thanks a lot. I think that's a very strong recommendation to finish on about better synergies between regulation uh, of public and private EV infrastructure. Thank you very much, Marie, for being here today. You have been a wonderful guest. Thank you for joining me. Thanks, Ago, and I'm looking forward to hearing the next podcast. Thanks also to all our listeners. Don't forget to listen to EDSO's monthly podcast episodes. You can follow us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Have a nice day. 